Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Hello and welcome to the Independence Podcast Behind the Headlines. I'm Assistant Editor Lucy McInerney. Today we're going to be talking about the US election. Um, I'm being I'm joined by my colleague Rich Hall, one of our US correspondents, um, who has been talking to voters on the ground in America in the uh, lead up to November 3rd when polls open about early voting and mail-in voting, which is something that uh, doesn't really exist over on this side of the pond in the UK. So Rich, can you give us a, a bit of an explanation about um, early voting and mail-in voting and what it all means and how it all works? Yeah, sure. So mail-in voting and early voting have both been increased dramatically in the US um, this year because of the pandemic, obviously. Um, people want to vote safely. They don't want to sit in, stand in long lines on election day. So states have made efforts to kind of spread out the voting period so people can either drop their mail-in ballots off or, or vote early and avoid the lines. And that has created um, some issues, as you can imagine. Um, just first of all, is just the sheer number of people that are voting by mail um, has has just is just overwhelming. And these states haven't had to deal with these kind of numbers before, so that's created a set of problems all on its own. And the the second issue is um, concerns about the integrity of mail-in ballots from both sides. So, on the one hand, you have uh, President Trump who insists that um, mail-in ballots are vulnerable to fraud um, and they aren't a safe way. And he's cast doubt on their integrity. And and those concerns and those attacks have created a a reaction from the Democrats um, who say that they are now not so confident that they will be allowed to be counted um, because of this opposition from the Republicans. And in terms of um, early voting, just before we get into the nuts and bolts of mail-in voting, how early are we talking? How far in advance of polling day on November third do people receive their ballots, and how does that uh, how does that system work? How do you what do you do when you receive your ballot? There are, so America has a different rule for each state. So there are fifty states, and they each have their own set of rules for handling elections. They're handled at the state level, which makes it very very confusing for everyone. Um, you have to have kind of education campaigns in each state. 
So some states will allow weeks in advance, some will allow one week in advance, um, some states will allow those ballots to be counted before election day, some will allow them to be processed before election day. Um, the, the biggest issues are in states which don't allow them to be counted or processed until election day or afterwards. And that's why we're seeing the biggest issues in places like Pennsylvania, which before this year was, was um, primarily just a, a state where people voted in person and, and hardly anyone took advantage of mail-in ballots. This year, it's, it's seen one of the biggest increases. So Pennsylvania, the, the birthplace of American democracy, is, is deciding not to count um, mail-in ballots until election day. So that creates a whole series of issues. Um, we, 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 could, we could see on election day something that the election monitors are calling a red mirage. So what happens in, in Pennsylvania and what's happening across the country is that most Republicans are voting on the day. Um, they, they aren't voting by mail in numbers as large as the Democrats. And those votes in Pennsylvania will be counted first. So what we're going to see on election day in Pennsylvania is Donald Trump take a large lead on the day. Um, what comes next is that the, the mail-in ballots are then counted over the next three days. The, the Secretary of um, Elections over there has said that they expect um, the ballots to be counted within three days of the election. So what you're going to see is, is Donald Trump's lead slowly, slowly decrease over those three days. And this is where concerns over... Um, whether all those ballots will be counted come, comes into play. And you, you were in Pennsylvania not long ago, you were, which is obviously, as, um, as you've mentioned, one of the states that swung in favour, uh, surprisingly, um, in favour of Trump in, in 2016. You were in Pennsylvania, in, in Philadelphia, and um, you got to speak to some voters who were taking advantage of early voting. What did they have to, ta- to, to say to you? What were, they, uh, what were they mainly concerned about? Yeah, so... so- Basically, Pennsylvania is expected to swing back to, to Biden this year, to the Democrats this year, if the polls are to be believed. Um, so what happens in Pennsylvania is people there are very, very concerned that their mail-in ballots won't be counted. It's, it's faced the same problems that other states have faced with the postal service, um, with delays in, in, in uh, mail being delivered. Um, and people who were going to vote by mail-in ballot a lot of them have changed their mind because of all the attention on on the issues that Pennsylvania might face. So I met I met um, quite a few people who just didn't want to take the risk, and they were either taking their mail-in ballots and delivering them by hand to um, drop-off boxes, or just deciding to vote early and in person. And in terms of then the other um, states that you've you've become aware of, like what kind of other uh, limitations are being put on? people trying to, to vote by mail um, in other states across the rest of America that you're aware of? Texas is another place that is, is facing issues with mail-in ballots. Um, they have also faced issues with, with the mail, uh, with, with delivery times. Um, the issue in Texas has been the, the number of places where people could drop off their mail-in ballots. Um, normally there are dozens across the state, across each county, um, and the governor in Texas decided to limit them to one per county, which which meant for some counties that millions of people had one ballot drop-off box where they could they could drop off their their mail-in ballot. Now that's that's different to actually early voting um, centres where people could go and cast their ballot. And and on election day itself, Texas will have way way more um, polling stations. 
I also went to Georgia recently. Um, they're facing a similar issue, um, which was worse in 2018, in fact, than in 2016, uh, with the number of polling stations, um, which research has shown disproportionately affects people of color. And so you have these areas outside of Atlanta, uh, the, the, the predominantly um, African-American areas, and they, they would face longer lines at polling stations than in, in white areas, for example. That's been limited uh, this year. They've made some changes, which made it slightly easier, but we might still see huge lines there on election day. I, I, it was interesting. You wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago about uh, changes to the postal service, because obviously everything we've kind of touched on thus far has been um, the individual states, because obviously America is a federalized system, individual states um, and their decisions on how to handle mail-in voting. But your piece a few weeks ago talked about the kind of centralized government's impact um, what they're trying to do to the general U.S. Postal Service. Um, what exactly have they been? Um, what exactly have they been trying to to kind of pull out of their bag of tricks, as it were, to uh, have an impact on people casting their vote by mail? Yeah, it's with the Postal Service changes. It's very difficult to kind of pick through fact and fiction because you probably saw um, when it went. So let me just start from the beginning. Um, there was a new postmaster general, which is a fancy name for the head of the postal service, um, that was a that was appointed by a board of governors. We'll go deep into the weeds here. That were mostly Republican. His name was Louis DeJoy, and he was appointed head of the postal service. And immediately upon taking up that post, he made sweeping changes to the postal service, which had a pretty dramatic impact on on its ability to deliver mail in time. This came during during the campaign when the election had already started people were already mailing their ballots because you so you can understand why people would were extremely worried you had senate hearings you had elizabeth warren challenging him <clears throat> it also didn't help people's um suspicions and fears that mr joy the, the the new head of the postal service was a trump donor so people got very panicked um he he sat in front of the senate and he explained these changes were cost-cutting measures they were essential to, to keep the Postal Service alive. Um, and then you had the usual politics going on as well. Um, Donald Trump, he actually, he was, he said publicly that he would block funding for the US Postal Service um, because he didn't want absentee ballots being mailed out to everyone. And in so many words, he said, if we give the funding to the US Postal Service, they'll be able to send ballots to everyone and everyone will be able to vote by mail. And he thought his justification was that this wouldn't be safe for the election and people could vote fraudulently. So you had this whole mix of fact and fiction and 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 fears of voters and senators. It's still not actually clear the motivations behind those changes. Um, they have been reversed, some of them, so there isn't a, a, as big a problem as, as many people feared. But as I said, lots of people aren't really taking the risk. They're just deciding to vote in person or drop off their ballots at mail-in mail -in ballot boxes. And from what you've kind of learned over the, the, last, the course of the last several months, whilst you've been paying attention to these changes in the postal service and, and uh, people's changes in their voting habits, choosing to, to vote early, et cetera. I mean, on the Republican side of things, I think as a general statement, they seem to be concerned about the issue of potential voter fraud with mail-in ballots. Um, from your experience, do you think those concerns have any basis in truth? Like, are, are they well-founded concerns or are they generally kind of being being overhyped? 
I can just defer to the to the head of the FBI who testified on this in a Senate committee. He said that there have been no uh, instances of widespread voter fraud. Um, he directly contradicted the president, and and it made and Donald Trump reacted angrily to that. But uh, there have been isolated cases. Uh, you get bags of mail go missing in one place. Um, there may be someone someone may receive the wrong ballot, but on the scale that the the Republicans are alleging that they could somehow tip the election or there's some um, scheme to, to fraudulently steal the election. It just doesn't exist. There's there's no evidence for that. And there's been a lot of attention. You, you can be sure if there was some some attempt to um, rig the election by by mail and ballots, then it would have been found by now because there's just so much attention on it. And would you say then it's 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 basically an issue that's now at this stage? What are we four or five days in front, ahead of the election? Um, split down party lines that essentially Republicans um, disagree really strongly with the notion of mail-in ballots, D- and Democrats are are supportive of it and and even more supportive of of early voting in person. Yeah, and it's funny because that wasn't historically the case. Um, Democrats didn't usually have such an advantage in terms of the number of people that were voting by mail the pandemic changed everything excuse me the pandemic changed everything um and this this kind of speaks to the to the um to the polarization in america right now um even with the coronavirus the way democrats view it and the way republicans view it is very differently and you can see that reflected in in how people are choosing to vote democrats on the whole seem to see the coronavirus as more of a threat than Republicans. And so more of them are voting by mail um, to avoid those crowds and, and avoid coming into contact with other people. And it's interesting, if you look at when Donald Trump decided to become or, or became concerned with mail-in ballots, it was when it was when this advantage started to become clear. There's actually, there's been, there's been some um, sort of coll- uh, collations of his all of his comments on mail-in ballots, and they started around um, March, April time, um, maybe a bit after that. There was no, there was no kind of widespread Republican concern about mail-in ballots before that, and it started, it coincided with the pandemic. And so, in terms of what you would, um, how how one could very, you know, simply boil this down, it's basically that the more early voters and mail-in vote um, ballots that are uh, sent in, good for Biden. Um, bad mm-hmm. essentially yeah uh, there's just and it's interesting because both parties have viewed mail-in ballots as a really useful tool in the past because it's a guaranteed vote if you lock that vote in early um, it's it's way better because even though people say they're going to vote on the day people aren't really really very good at predicting whether they're actually going to vote those numbers aren't always accurate but if you lock in that mail-in ballot early that's a guaranteed vote so i mean generally the democratic advantage in mail-in ballots is a really worrying thing for the for the Republicans, um, and yeah, that's that that's so so basically, what needs to happen now on election day is is uh, I mean, this is this is what the polls suggest is going to happen anyway. Is that Republicans are going to greatly outnumber Democrats on the day in-person voting, um, but again, not not everyone who says they're going to vote is going to turn up, so it's it's a it's a very difficult thing for them. I suppose on the day, well, when the results and the counts are coming in, is going to be made even more interesting, particularly in relation to two states in particular. Um, 
which I would say are Florida and Texas, obviously both well known for generally being Republican states quite comfortably. Um, but I know that um, former New York mayor, Michael Bloomberg, has been you know, very much pay- pouring money and attention and time and effort into uh, turning both states blue. I've, have, you, uh, have you had any sense of what's happening there in terms of early voting, mail-in ballots being cast? Um, and any kind of, you know, early sense of what might happen in terms of uh, the final result there and whether or not each state might turn blue? Yeah, this is very interesting, actually. So all of our discussion up until now could be completely relevant if Florida turns blue. And Florida, unlike um, much of the rest of the country, has a lot of experience in dealing with mail-in ballots. It has a very, it has an older population, lots of people voted by mail. The system is set up to deal with large numbers of mail-in ballots. So basically what that means is if Joe Biden wins Florida by a healthy margin, we could know on the night um, that he has won the election. I mean, if he wins Florida, it's near impossible for for Donald Trump to win. So that's what a lot of Democrats and that's what a lot of uh, Biden supporters are hoping for, is that we get a clear result in Florida on the night. Um, Texas is a strange one because something's happening there that hasn't happened in previous years. The number of people voting there is just um, early early voting. I mean, is is off the scale. You have some counties now, which have already surpassed their total number of votes for 2016, and a lot of these counties are in um, Democratic areas around Austin, for example, where lots of people have moved from all around the country. Austin is this huge growing city. So if we get if we get a clear result in Florida on the day, none of this none of this could matter. The danger is if if it's not close, or sorry, if it, if it, if it's very close and it takes a while to decide the winner, or or if Trump wins there, that makes a state like Pennsylvania and these other Midwestern states um, that aren't used to dealing with mail-in ballots that that puts the pressure on them, um, and they aren't expecting to deliver their results on the day. So we that means we could wait for a few days. Um, to know who the winner of the election is. And that's when things kind of get messy. That's when the courts come into play. That's when the Supreme Court um, might be called in to, to decide what happens with these votes. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A Supreme Court, of of course, now which is uh, has got six judges on the court court who are Republican, conservative leaning. Three of whom were appointed by President Trump, and three of whom are are Democrats, of course. So you know that you would think if that does come into play, that Trump might think he he would have any decision that court makes in the bag. Yeah, there's this kind of fascinating uh, legal battle 
or preparation for a legal battle going on now, um, especially in Pennsylvania, it's really not clear which way the Supreme Court would would go on this. And it's not clear what kind of precedent um, they would they would use to try and stop mail-in ballots. So this is the big concern that Trump would somehow use the Supreme Court to stop mail-in ballots being counted in Pennsylvania. He could say um, there's there's fraud going on here. Um, we can't trust these ballots. The Supreme Court must throw them out. And in that scenario, Trump would have this lead on election day votes, in-person votes, and he could potentially take the state. There's, there's preparation. The Pennsylvania Democrats um, and people in government there, state election officials, the attorney general, they're kind of working frantically to try and prevent any sort of legal challenge to these ballots. And one of the, one of the things they've done recently is they're separating mail-in ballots that have been received already they're going to separate them from ones that arrive late. And those are the ones that are in contention. Um, there's a current, there's a, I'm getting into the bit of the weeds here, but there's a battle going on at the moment as to whether mail-in ballots that arrive after election day, but are postmarked before election day can be counted. It's not sure whether they can be yet. So the, the Pennsylvania Attorney General is separating them from the rest in order to stop them being, all of those votes being thrown out. So it's just, a, it's just a, one example of how, um, Pennsylvania Democrats have just completely mobilized to try and um, fight these legal battles and the, the ones that are happening now. And I, and I suppose it's also interesting to point out that, um, you know, over recent, well, as, as, as recently as this week and then several months ago, two of uh, President Trump's Supreme Court nominees, uh, both um, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh, have, have been involved in siding with the Democratic justices on the court and ruling against... Um, against what one would imagine President Trump would want them to rule. So I suppose it's it's also safe to say that if it does end up in front of the Supreme Court, those two men are not necessarily in the pocket of, of President Trump in a way that he would like to think that they were given they were his choices for the court. Yeah, it's been a mixed bag, actually. Um, you've had some go his way and and some go against him. At the moment, the biggest issues are um, whether to count mail-in ballots that are postmarked before the election but arrive afterwards there's there's debate over how how many days you should allow um those votes to be, to be counted and he, he was tweeting the president was tweeting this morning actually he expressed some frustration um or or just kind of looking ahead saying if they decide this way it's going to be a disaster joe biden will win it'll be a disaster for the supreme court he's talking directly to the supreme court judges um but yeah it's not it's not clear which way they're rule and it's it's I don't think um, if you actually speak to people, uh, legal experts and election monitors in Pennsylvania, um, they're confident that the, the votes will be counted. It's going to be it's going to be messy. It's going to there's going to be legal battles, but they're they're not worried. If you speak to them, they are, and I've spoke to many of many of them in Pennsylvania, especially, they're confident that the votes will be counted. It could be there could be a lot of shouting. There could be a lot of um, accusations of a rigged election from the White House. Um, but the actual legal measures that Trump has at his disposal to stop them being counted are very few. So at this stage, do you think it's fair to say that President Trump and his administration are in any way panicking around the idea of the strength of the the turnout for this early voting and and mail-in voting? I mean, yeah, you can go over to... um, President Donald Trump's Twitter feed to kind of see, uh, to kind of get a judge of that yourself. But yeah, I mean, even for the past, for the past, I'd say four or five months, you can see the the um, 
the attacks on mail-in ballots from the White House is something completely new. This isn't this isn't a normal thing for a president to, without any justification or any evidence, suggest that this election is going to be rigged um, and that mail-in ballots are vulnerable to fraud. Uh, this is a, a completely new thing. And if you want to kind of judge the motivation for, for making these claims, you have to look at the advantage that Democrats have in mail-in ballots. I mean, that that's probably the the most reasonable explanation for why there's been such a, a focus and attention on, on, on these mail-in ballots. I mean, is there anything else one could point to that really, apart aside from, um, you know, general attacks on the idea, the notion of, of the fraudulence of, of postal voting, um, that would say that the president and his current administration are trying to do anything else in terms of uh, curtailing people's liberty to vote as they choose. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you could, you could, their argument is that this is just a completely unprecedented election. And because of the overwhelming number of mail-in ballots, there, there, there's a real danger here that um, things get messy. And there is a real danger that mistakes are made. And their argument is that we need to be extremely careful um, in how we deal with these mail-in ballots and there needs to be strict rules about how long they can be counted after they come in, um, where the ballots are going, and, and so on. So their argument is that their argument is the same as the Democrats, uh, but the, but from the opposing side is that they want to protect the integrity of the election. And the Democrats say um, it's their it's their argument just is is that the Republicans aren't trying to protect the integrity of the election at all. They're just trying to make they're trying to make it harder for people to vote because that benefits them. So do you think that things like, um, I don't know, mailboxes disappearing from the streets? And as you mentioned earlier, the idea that there's one, I think, is it the largest voting district in Texas being reduced to getting 4.7 million people to um, use one uh, mail-in ballot center? Do you think these Mm -hmm. are all, um, it's just kind of, indicative of, a, of an administration under fire and really beginning to feel the heat and, be, and beginning to believe the polling which shows that Biden has a has a really comfortable lead? I think it's a mixture. Um, a lot of these changes are, are kind of just state level things. A lot of the, some of the US Postal Service changes, for example, you could also make a good argument that they are, they were kind of, um, they were kind of normal business as usual. Um, that, but the, the, it just speaks to the general fear around this election. I mean, uh, you speak to voters today, there's, there's never been this kind of um, question as to whether their votes will be counted. This is a new thing. And it's just this atmosphere at the moment around this election. And, and there's been polls to, to kind of show this as well on, on, on both sides. Um, for the first time in, in decades or forever for some people, they're, they're just not confident in the, in the, that this will be a fair election. Um, so all these, all these uh, small changes that you're talking about, the, the limiting of ballot boxes, the removal of post boxes, that just adds to this general atmosphere, um, which is, yeah, like I said, it's a completely new thing. And In the various trips that you've made, and you've made many, you know, you've been, you've been to yes. Florida, <laughs> Georgia, you've been to Pennsylvania, you've been, you know, you're based in New York. I mean, what has really surprised you the most about this election campaign? What surprised me is that the the Trump campaign hasn't really changed 
its 2016 strategy. Um, it kind of tried to use the same playbook in terms of trying to hammer hammer the hammer his opponent and, and bring down their favorable ratings um, to make it a close election. Um, what, what surprised me from what I'd seen on the ground going out to these places is is the turnout. Um, turnout is one of those things that's really really hard to predict in polls because, like I said earlier, it's people aren't very good at predicting whether they're going to go out and vote or not. Lots of people say they do, lots of people don't in the end. Um, in Georgia. Um, in the early voting polling stations, there were huge lines. People were queuing for six, seven hours on the first day of early voting. Um, days later, when I arrived, they were, they were queuing for two, three hours in early voting. Um, in North Carolina, young people are registering to vote, have registered to vote and are voting early in record numbers um, compared to 2016. I think there was a, a threefold increase compared to, to four years ago. So what surprised me is um, just how engaged people are in this election. Um, and I, I think that's going to be, it could be a deciding factor on, on the day. You have all these people, young people who may, may not have voted in 2016. Um, there are indications that people of color are, are turning out in, in numbers they didn't in 2016. So that could be, that could be the, the shocker on the day when we get the results. I mean, is there any sense uh, in the people that you speak to? I mean, you've mentioned that there's a lot of fear. People are frightened of their their vote not counting or being counted. Um, do, do you think that there's any sense of um, general conviction that, you know, we're going to go out and make sure that, you know, this goes the right way in a way that wasn't there in 2016? There's been a lot of discussion. You've mentioned, for example, people of colour getting out and, and voting and how when you were in Georgia, there were limitations um, put on their ability to vote um, and people are saying that for example um, Hillary didn't poll terribly well with people of colour and that in a way that Biden actually has a much healthier uh, support base in the southern states particularly amongst people of colour I mean have you seen any of that kind of um, you know Americans are known for their conviction and, and and that kind of thing have you seen that you know we're going to come out and make sure that no matter what threats are are thrown our way that we stand up and, and our voices are heard Exactly. Yeah. I mean, one of the one of the first questions I asked people in these early voting places was, why are you voting early? Why why are you saying to do this and not on the day? This is this is a different. I was expecting everyone to tell me pandemic, obviously. Um, a lot of them were, were kind of furious about <laughs> furious about uh, furious at this idea that their vote wouldn't be counted or the and these threats to the integrity of the election. They were. They were, like you say, they were motivated um, by the idea that they, their democracy was under attack in some way. In Georgia, that was especially the case. Um, yeah, it, it's it's kind of it's kind of amazing. Like you say, there there is this people across the political aisle have a have a have great pride in in American democracy and just the ability to be able to cast their ballot and choose their leaders, like everyone does, I guess. But it is a motivating factor this year. And especially among people of color who have had, especially in Georgia, have to face a history of voter suppression. And would you say of, of the various different places you, you you went to, was there just a general sense of, you know, people who did not support Donald Trump were the ones that you spoke to and that were um, out and about? Or was there, you know, did 
did, did you get a different um, sense of an atmosphere dependent on the state that you were in? And if so, what were those atmospheres like and how did they differ between states? Yeah, it's, it's very hard to get that get that impression from the campaign trail. What I will say is that among early voters, so if you vote, the, if you go to the early voting stations, um, especially in Georgia and in Philadelphia, the most people who were voting early, who, who I met were, were Democrats. And that's for, that's kind of a, a traditional thing anyway. More Republicans vote on the day in person historically. Um, but I think that that's, that's, Grow the, the, the democratic advantage in early voting has grown this year because of what we spoke about about the pandemic and then taking it more seriously. Outside, uh, there were there were a couple of examples that go the other way. I mean, you can speak to um, you can speak to people at campaign events, for example. And I went to Western Pennsylvania to do a story about Trump's support there. That was one of the biggest shockers in 2016. Was, was how strong his support was in these previously democratic rural um, former coal mining areas where industry had kind of died out. Um, and in those places, actually, support for Donald Trump hasn't really decreased since 2016. I spoke to um, a lot of coal miners, for example, uh, former coal miners who who were still dead keen on Trump. Um, Trump came there, came to these to Western Pennsylvania in 2016 and promised to bring back coal. He promised to invest in in um, the in, in industry there. Hadn't quite panned out like that. So I was expecting to see a kind of drop in support there. It wasn't the case. Uh, what's happened there is kind of a shift from um, uh, where the unions used to be very strong there. And because the unions were strong there and industry was strong, Democrats did well. When industry died out, you had this socially conservative uh, population there who had no reason to vote for Democrats anymore. Um, because the unions weren't as strong. So they started voting for, for Republicans. And that's been a shift that's going on there. So there's enthusiasm for Trump. You can see enthusiasm for Trump in these places. And it has rallies as well, for example. Um, if you want to kind of judge um, how well a candidate's doing based on rallies, I mean, Trump's Trump's far ahead, obviously. The, the enthusiasm and the, 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 the support for him there is, is massive. And when you've been out and talking to people, has anyone been particularly vocal about what they thought of the fact that the president is continuing to do in-person rallies versus the Biden approach to kind of generally more digitally based events and that kind of thing in terms of, you know, the idea of public health? What what have people's attitudes been around that? So in, in that regard, I've only I've only spoken to people, um, supporters of Donald Trump. I went to one of these rallies um, that was criticised for potentially being a super spreader event down in Orlando. Um, it was outside. Um, it was just outside of Orlando, but it was it was a huge, huge rally. Of, I think around seven or eight thousand people there probably. Um, the the president has defended these rallies and his staff has defended these rallies saying that outside um, there's very little instances of <clears throat> people catching coronavirus when they're outside. If you look at these events, everyone's packed together. And because of the confusing messages from the White House and from the president around mask wearing, um, the, the use of masks is, is really pretty low. You look around the crowd, I, th- I guess maybe around 20, 30 percent of people were wearing masks and they were packed in very close together. And there have been a number of, of uh, instances where some of these rallies have caused outbreaks um, of the coronavirus among people that, that went to them. So, I mean, if you talk to a Trump supporter, they're Again, this goes back to the polarization uh, around 
the coronavirus. They don't believe it's as, as bad as the media says, as, as uh, public health officials say, uh, and they're more prone to, to playing down the, the seriousness of the virus than, than their opponents. Finally, what's your, what's your prediction for Tuesday night? Oh, they slash the days out. You can't ask me that. <laughs> um, do you know what? I think everyone was scarred by 2016. Everyone was so sure in 2016 that Hillary Clinton was going to win, um, and she didn't. And it was this huge shock, and, and it required this, this kind of inward looking from the media about how we report on elections and how we look at polls uh, and whether we were speaking to the right people. This year, if you look at the polls, they all suggest that Joe Biden is going to win. Um, but there's still a small chance that Donald Trump could win. I think there's around a 15% chance. And if you speak to the pollsters, they'll say, that's not an insignificant number, 15%. Um, and equally, there's, a, there's, a, there's kind of an equal chance of Donald Trump winning as there is as a Biden landslide. So it could go either way. <clears throat> we could see on the night Joe Biden win this election by a landslide. <clears throat> or we could see Donald Trump run away with it. It's very difficult to say. Well, I think on that uh, final uh, perfect soundbite of it being impossible to call right now, given, as you say, I am everyone's aversion to believing a pollster after um, not just the 2016 election, but, uh, you know, other um, political events um, here in Europe as well. Um, I think we can uh, draw that to a close. Rich, thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you. And thank you all for, for listening. Do remember you can get in touch on our various social media platforms using the hashtag behind the headlines. We'd love to hear from you. Um, alternatively, you can read all the latest news and information on the election. You can follow live right through the night on Tuesday, the 3rd of November on our website, independent.co.uk. And please subscribe to the series Behind the Headlines on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you listen. And leave us a rating so more people can find us. Thanks for listening. 